0: Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Revolutionary Jargon. I am your host, RJ. And today we have a very special episode. It means a lot to me because today I am interviewing and having a great conversation with really my best friend, one of the most influential people on the left in my eyes. He is the current LTUIDSA treasurer and he's also a city DSA member. Today, I have a special guest for you guys, Chad. How are you doing, man?
1: I'm doing good. I'm doing good. How are you doing today, man?
0: Everyone, this is his first ever podcast recording. So, this is very exciting for both of us today. So, how do you feel
1: about that? Uh, Definitely really nervous and I stutter a lot. So, there might be cuts to be made, just so you know. Oh, no, we don't do cuts. So, (laughs) but (laughs) we're good. Even worse. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> no, you'll be fine. We just, uh, we just full said it on my show. So today we'll be uh, talking about really some uh, pretty interesting topics that we haven't covered on my show. And I think really the left should talk about in general is uh greenwashing, uh, sustainable sourcing, and really consumer energy in a capitalistic society. So really, those are some uh, really first big three topics we're going to discuss today. And then after those, we'll just see where it takes us. So I guess we'll start off with Chad. Chad? Uh, Can you explain to my audience, and really to me in general, what greenwashing is?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, in a world right now where we're trying to be more sustainable because there's literally a countdown clock for how crazy the world's going to be if we don't change anything that we're doing. So there's a huge wave of people becoming more sustainable. There's people trying to find different sources of like material that they have in their housing. So like composting, being way more recycled, like being more, way more conscious of recycling and like all that kind of stuff so that landfills have less garbage in them. And so that like our environment is more sustainable for the future and for future generations. But greenwashing happens when companies who are greedy try to make their products more appealing to the people who care about the environment, who care about, like, all this stuff to be more sustainable, they make one sustainable product and market it as so green, but they're still getting their, like, they're still producing like all of the terrible stuff from before. So greenwashing is a really big problem because it's just a facade to get the people who are trying to be more sustainable to still put money in your pockets.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense because what you're describing there is a pretty much a pattern, whether it's um, if you're a vegetarian or if you're a vegan, a lot of times, you know, these big corporations, they'll sell a product for instance, that they say, oh, this is 100% vegetarian or vegan, and the rest of their products aren't. And there are also some instances in which that one product they wanna sell that's vegan or vegetarian, oftentimes it has like meat by- byproducts in it. So it's kind of like they're pulling the opi-dope. And this instance in which you're talking about greenwashing, when people do wanna be sustainable, they do wanna cycle and be for the environment, and they're looking for products and alternatives that best meets their interests, these corporations, they aren't always honest about the products in which they're trying to sell. And overall, they're really just looking for clout to use this one um, environmental product and policy they have to masquerade their abuses of the environment overall. Is that kind of something that you were getting at?
1: Yeah, definitely. That is on the nose, (laughs) like perfect, (laughs) because um, one really good example is, um, the glad paper ziplock bag but um they still produce like the cellophane like wrap they still produce like all these cleaning products that are all in plastic that are all like lab made chemicals um but the bag is just so that they can get the money from the people who are still trying to be sustainable but like the reason that people are trying to be sustainable is so that those companies don't have money to keep producing these terrible products, even though they're such a staple in like life, you know? And so since we're trying to like defund those companies, what they do is they'll come out with a green product so that they can still get the money from the people who weren't going to be buying from them anymore.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, tell us about that um, paper, that uh, ziploc paper bag you we were talking about, because my first initial reaction is, is you know, the plastic itself isn't as sustainable for the environment. Plastic takes like over, what, 100 years to completely biodegrade, and even if it does, it's, it decomposes into like these tiny uh, microplastics, microplastics, exactly, which flood the ocean, which kills fish, kills the environment. Mm-hmm. So that, it really takes a long time for plastic to decompose itself. But if you look at like these, uh, paper, that ba- paper Ziploc bags in terms of usability, it's probably even worse than the plastic. And in terms of extra for per- the environment, you're just incentivizing producing more paper because paper by being less sustainable than plastic, people are going to buy more. So you are really just kind of accelerating the same issue. Is that yeah. kind of.
1: That, that is a problem. And if you, I wonder if I can find an actual picture of the bag because if you look at it, it's just completely covered in, like, wax paper and still has the plastic zip on it. So they're not even getting rid of, like, most of the problem, (laughs) you know, because the most plastic is in the zip part itself of a bag. It's not in the actual bag. So another really big one is – Me and my girlfriend were literally at the um, grocery store this Saturday, and we came across a cardboard box of laundry detergent. And we were like, oh, that's so cool. Like, we were really excited to see, like, a cardboard box. But then we saw, like, there was a little seam at the bottom that was broken. And we opened, like, we just, like, looked on the inside, and none none of the laundry detergent started, like, pouring out all over us like you open it and there's a plastic bag holding all the laundry detergent inside the cardboard box it's literally just covering up the problem
0: yep it, it's the okie doke you know you're thinking hey i'm being a good human i care about turtles i'm not trying to use plastic and the big corporations said we're still going to get that money though <laughs> So I think that's what's pretty shocking. And based on like what we're talking about so far, I'm guessing you're not a big uh, paper straw guy, are you? Paper star guy? Paper straw.
1: Oh I I actually don't like paper straws because they don't last long. <laughs> like like you put them in a drink and you can probably drink your drink for like 10 minutes before it's like drinking a mushy straw you know like that part sucks paper straws i think because they use like such a little amount of material and could be um i feel like they could be made a little better but i feel like those are a lot more sustainable themselves than plastic straws because paper just breaks down it's all natural but um Yet, like you said it would just be speeding up the process of cutting down more trees so
0: right that makes that makes sense so what's your opinion on really the green New deal right now and really a lot of these climate change proposals that are happening really we've been getting these big discussions nationally about um, really doing things for better for the environment because right now a lot of the scientists have been saying we only have well it changes every year like there's seven or like five or 12 or 15 years until the change in the environment is irreversible. You know, and, they, and the scientists also say that if the average global temperature increases like two more degrees Celsius, it can have devastating effects of change on the environment. So yeah. what are things looking like on the ground to really push for these types of climate change proposals as well as a Green New Deal? And the Green New Deal it does have like a jobs guarantee and program in it. So that you can incentivize people to work in these fields that not only better the environment so they can uh, do better in their own personal lives so i know that's a pretty loaded question <laughs> but uh, yeah. i can give you the time to break it down to how you feel about it
1: yeah um i'm just gonna start on the jobs part that you were talking about um so i'm gonna actually correlate it to the original new deal that uh like was done a while ago there was this group that was a part of the new deal that was called the CCC. And they, sorry, I don't remember what it's for. I learned about it in like 10th grade, but (laughs) uh, um, what they would do is if you're ever driving down the street and you just like look in like the woods and stuff and you're like, wow, those trees are all so like perfectly planted, you know, like they're all like in a grid. How did that happen? It wasn't nature. Like America was already like deforestizing like, deforestation like was a huge problem they were cutting down all this stuff and especially like for the war efforts and when we went through the great depression like all this like it was just really really bad so the ccc being just like one part of the new deal like created so many jobs for people especially because like At that time, like it was basically like the Great Depression. Like you think about our economy and like how many people aren't working during COVID, like multiply that by like 50, you know, like so many people were able to get jobs from the CCC and what they were doing was helping the environment by planting trees and creating parks and all this kind of stuff so that like we could have a nice like homeland and like have nice stuff and keep our environment nice even though that wasn't the main issue to them they still could realize that yo, like why would we cut down all of our trees and you know so when it comes to like the green new deal now and people are like oh like it would get rid of fracking jobs and all these electrical jobs it's like yes it would get rid of maybe like 16 job fields but it would create like a hundred because when you do something like the green new deal it's completely changing the infrastructure especially if you want to do it like personally the way that i think it should be done is like going really big into it like if you just are taking tiny steps like it's just it's going to take way too long and we're going to pass the seven years by that point you know yeah i
0: mean that makes a lot of sense and just to make some correlations we're both from michigan and Michigan's history, even through the lumber era, where like a excessive logging and deforestation in our state, that has some uh, pretty terrible um, environmental effects, you know, and that's why you see Michigan too, a whole lot of planting of trees. And to the Green New Deal, that that I think is gonna be a great job program. Because I think what you mentioned too, what happened in the 1930s and 40s during the Great Depression, um, Franklin Roosevelt, uh, Franklin Roosevelt, sorry, many different types of job programs. I mean, of course, there's nuances about, you know, people of color not being included in those jobs programs, but the theory itself in which if there's a strong economic downturn and public entities refuse to hire labor because they want to save costs, well, the government can come in and supply jobs and money and benefits for its citizens during times of distress. And so what we're saying right now is that even in a recession we're in right now, and potentially when we leave it, the American people shouldn't uh, never go anywhere without finding work if they want to work. And also if we need, and also to us about building a field right now, especially in the environmental sector, which could be really essential to saving our environment and ourselves, because let's get one thing straight. I mean, the earth is gonna be here. We're just not gonna be here. Like the earth looks at us if we continue to abuse it as a virus. And the earth is going to continue to heat up to extinct us and stop, it, stop us and to heal itself. So, if we want to really protect not only the environment ourselves, we have to do better with protecting the planet. And so, that's why I believe I'm for really the Green New Deal, because it is not only innovative, but it really helps, it really creates these new jobs, especially in fields uh, like coal and fossil fuels and big oil. And it really would help those Rust Belt states, those in the South and those in the Midwest, like West Virginia, where you have a lot of coal miners who do have unions, who are these regular people who want to supply, who want jobs to support their family and to have these type of benefits. But when they're in a dying field in industry and they look around in their neighborhood and there's nowhere else to go, they stick there and they suffer because they're trying to do what's best for the family. And so what we're saying with the Green New Deal is that it not only creates new jobs, but I believe there's also a provision in there, which kind of has like a transition period. So it kind of uh, provides on-the-job training, uh, pay for that training, also for benefits if they don't switch fields. So I think that's very essential because it would be very difficult to tell a person who's struggling, really in a dying, in a essentially a dying field, that hey, come over to really a new field without a certain pay and security.
1: Yeah, that's hard, and I think that like, for the coal miners, for example, like, I feel like those should be the industries that, like, the government are, like, going to and, like, asking for help for solving this problem. Like, hey, like, we're trying to do something that could literally get rid of your entire job field. Like, how do you think, like, you as, like, a company or as individuals could help in our new process because we want to make sure that if we do this, that you're still covered because we don't want to hurt you guys in the process, you know? And I feel like that's what everybody is so scared about because the government is not taking those steps. And that's why it's such a problem for people who are in the fracking business and such a problem for people who are in like DTE and the big, like energy. I don't know. (laughs) I, you know, I was going (laughs) with that, but like, there's like two, energy companies that like run or isn't dte like just like the the main one across like america yeah i think
0: yeah i think it's a dte um i don't know i think it's like consumer energy or something i'm not really sure Yeah, yeah 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 and dte and consumer energy are like one of the largest ones like especially in michigan it's very powerful like we literally have to pray to the dte gods hey can you please do your job so we don't like suffer without power so yeah they're the really the biggest ones. And I kind of do want your opinion on what happened since we're really talking about the environment and really different utilities, because a lot of these industries do rely on natural resources. So what was your opinion on what happened in Texas in general? Because Texas itself, they kind of separated themselves from the federal grid and kind of created their own. But when their own statewide grid failed due to the extreme freezing weather, I think it was a couple months ago, um, it left hundreds of thousands of their citizens without power, freezing, and really inability to cook their own food, and the state themselves claims that they didn't want socialism coming <laughs> coming into their state by the feder- federales coming in and trying to help out the citizens, so what's your opinion on that? I don't know where to start. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Just go on a rant, I love it.
1: I think that one like I'm on both sides I think it was a really good idea to like separate from the monopoly of the power grid company that has a hold on every single one of us kudos to them for like wanting to separate from all of that even though there could have been like crazy stuff to happen and it did but also like the I don't want socialism for help it's like I don't want your people to die. Like, what are you doing? You're being selfish because you don't want a type of government, a type of ideology of like loving everybody the same. You want it to be about me, 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 my people, my people, my people. And that is tragic. It's, it's, it's offending. It's like, how, how do you, not care about your people to the point where you're not going to let the government come and help this. But I also thought that there was like problems where the federal government like said that they weren't going to help, but was it Texas saying like, no, we don't want your help sort of thing. Or. Yeah, I, the, I, I
0: think the, I think the president, the president, uh, wanted to send in uh, aid visa via FEMA, which is FEMA is like one of these organizations for disaster relief. The federal government, um, Uses that agency. Um, it's historically known during Hurricane Katrina when they were like two weeks late when the black community was struggling on top of the roofs, like literally about to drown, and they were two weeks late. So FEMA wanted to come in and, you know, give money and to help really fix their infrastructure. And Texas is like, eh, hey, we don't want the federal government coming again dictating our lives. And I was like, oh gosh. So I think that's kind of a, what happened in that scenario with Texas.
1: The thing is, is they don't realize they're already dictating their entire life.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, that's the crazy part. Like, they really don't really understand that. And, you know, this is easily going to uh, turn into, like, a, a conservative hate cast, which I can kind of, <laughs> kind of see that coming along. But they make it so easy when they do stuff like this. Like, they say, like, we're irrational and, like, don't know what the fuck is going on but we're really trying to just help people regardless of our political ideology and they literally refuse help for their people because of their political ideology
1: (laughs) yeah and like is political ideology really that important to where you're going to like lose lives like the, the one thing that i've never understood about like conservative like thought and like this is so crazy because I was a conservative and I don't even understand why I thought like this, but like they get offended by people asking for peace. It's like, why do you want harm? Why? Why? Like it it, it literally just sounds like they're trying to hold people down. And like, if you don't see it that way, I agree. (laughs) I agree with you. I mean, I used
0: to, I used to be a conservative on like the democratic side. And Mm -hmm. so, like, a conservative Democrat is basically Republican light or the Republicans of the 90s. And so, like, growing up then, it was like, oh, you work hard, you know. Everything was more internal and really punching down on the working class. And it almost put the public focus on you and, like, okay, well, yes, the environmental situations you're in sucks. But, you know, it's about you individually, what you can do. And I kind of had to break from that, and I'm glad I did. That's why I transitioned to the left, because I do believe it takes a collective effort to work together to change, not only your own material conditions, but those around you. Because when you're in a country like the United States, you can't really do it alone by yourself. It's incredibly rare, you know? And that's why it takes a collective effort. It takes a community, it takes a family. And also I do believe that, of course, the system of capitalism itself, the largest method of exploitation of labor, of working class people using, which can be used as an upward transfer of wealth funnel for the rich oligarch elite. And that's why I kind of, I'm against that method of economic system. That's why I'm for really socialism in general, because I believe that's really the best method for working class people. Yeah. And so that's, <laughs> so I can kind of uh, sympathize with you uh, with that, you know, I. Yeah, I mean that's kind of. That's, I think that's kind of how I feel like I'm right in the boat with, with you, there. I'm just glad that we both are finally. Oh, go ahead. What you want to say?
1: Yeah. Um. Actually, I just random thought popped into my head. You sparked it, but um, I was on TikTok. Don't shame me. But um, <laughs> we're young I, enough. We're young enough. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's okay. I um, I was watching a lot of like leftist like accounts talk about stuff and there was this one girl who did research and she was talking about um how america is like literally one of the out of like the top comp or countries who like are like thought of as top countries in the world america is the least unionized and um yeah we're 13 percent unionized in america only 13 percent yeah um and so uh, i forget what she was saying it was something about uh how like take uh, a factory worker for ch- like in in la a factory worker gets like 6 dollars an hour when minimum wage is 725 and they are like scared of communism and socialism and they say oh over there in china like all these factory workers and all these people are like being used, we're using them, so like i'm gonna do my work because i'm gonna you know so but she actually did the math for like factory workers in America and factory workers in China, like same jobs, and she looked at their minimum wages and all this kind of stuff, or like the like whatever, and then she uh basically transferred like all the units of Chinese money into American money. And so on average, like a month, a factory worker in America will make about $1,100. Whereas on average in China, a factory worker working the same amount of hours will make 1,400. So we're being used. But the propaganda and what your government is telling you And what you're choosing to believe instead of doing the actual numbers and research, like you're scared of communism and socialism because of lies, not because of like the actual numbers. Like even your points that people are choosing to bring up are like completely false, just such a bare minimum, easy thing to check out.
0: Yeah, I think what you brought up actually is a previous show I did with my uh, friend from the Black Agenda Report, Danny Haifeng. We were talking really about China and some of the propaganda against it and really some of the work they're doing to increase wages, um, housing benefits, and really cost of living for their people. So you really brought up a good point about how the United States, especially mostly because of it's propaganda against its own citizens, and the fear-mongering about oh, communism, socialism, it's so bad, you know, don't tread on me. And really, it's the it's really capitalism and really the corporations really cheating the American people. And a lot of times the, the government itself does play a hand in that because of lobbying and because of the certain kickbacks they do for policies that do support these businesses, and at the same time not advocating for policies that help working class people. So it's like two big forces are used against us to crush us. And so that's why it is important to really fight back against both of those forces when we can in order to really make it better for our own lives. So that statistic you brought up about if you, if you convert the same amount of money with the same amount of time and with the same labor force, if you look at the cost per month that you would make, in the United States is least, I believe you said it's $1,100. And in China, it will be 1400. So it really shows what country of what it's worth is doing better in China. Prioritizing
1: terms of their citizens.
0: Exactly. Priorit- prioritizing their citizens to make sure that really their production meets their actual cost they need for mm-hmm. goods and services. Because in the United States, since really the 1940s, um, the rate of production in terms of uh, workers has gone up 100%, right? But in terms of the actual pay, it's only 7%, right? While as these big corporations, uh, the rich money elites theirs keep going up. So theirs is on a J-curve. Ours is like flatlined, like a flat line.
1: Yeah, um, there's actually research out there that shows like um, in the last like 70, 80 years, like you just said, our minimum wage hasn't gone up at all, but the price of a mcdonald's cheeseburger has gone up from 25 cents to three dollars um and the- but wait said i
0: thought i thought that if you raise the minimum wage wouldn't the cost of the hamburger go up wouldn't that hurt the consumer um no <laughs>
1: I just, I just wanted to throw that in there. I just wanted to tease you. <laughs> I know, man. I know. Uh, when people say that to me, I just look at them like this.
0: <laughs> that's, that's all they face. get from me.
1: That's all they get. Just
0: exactly. It's. Oh, it's just. It's, it's. just like the boot looking. What have been trying? But I'm sorry. What were you saying? Are oh, you at a point? I'm sorry.
1: <laughs> yeah. No, that's totally cool. Um. So I was talking about uh the minimum wage going up. The Minimum wage for us is flatlined and the minimum wage for CEOs or people at the top of these big companies, not even just the amount of money that these big companies are getting or paying their companies, but, or employees, but the people legitimately at the top, their minimum wage has multiplied by 200 and like 10%. Like literally capitalism helps capitalism and stays capitalism off of thriving off everybody's insecurities.
0: So what Chad is saying is that if you look at our minimum wage, so the working class people, the minimum amount of money legally binded by the United States in which an employer can can pay really their worker for average workers is federally 750 and statewide depending on the state can range between nine, 11, 12, $15, right? But in terms of what Chad is saying, is that Chad is saying the CEOs, the minimum amount of pay a CEO makes has increased almost 200%. Right. And so it almost seems like the big corporations, they're making sure the cheapest CEO gets paid way more handsomely and gets raises way more often than their lowest worker, which increases really the gap. And so I believe in the 1940s, you know, the gap between, well, they say the multiplier between the cheapest employee to the CEO, you could, for example, you would take, let's say your cheapest worker makes $30,000 a year. Um, The CEO wouldn't be paid more than 30 times that wage. And that's what the CEO's pay would be. But if you look at today's age, it's 270. And I'm being, I think I'm being generous. Like I think it's 360 or something like that. It's, It's a higher range. So that type of wealth inequality and wealth gap only increases more when you don't increase the minimum wage for working class people, yet you allow corporate CEOs to get increases and
1: bonuses
0: and really to cheat their own workers while their minimum wage continues to increase. I just wanted to add to that point.
1: Yeah, and that's actually why the price of the cheeseburger is going up because of the CEOs making the money. It has nothing to do with how much money is going into our pockets.
0: Yeah, those, those are facts right there. I think this is a good conversation because... What did you think about what happened with um, the $15 minimum wage? Because there's a lot of topics on the left really on how to, it's not just put federal minimum wage, it's really about the PRO Act as well, about healthcare, about the different strategies in which you can pass them on the left. But specifically what we're talking about in the minimum wage, um, there was a bill that um, the $15 minimum wage bill, which was um, uh, that they wanted to put into the um, budget reconciliation bill in the United States Senate during the time. And Bernie Sanders, uh, pretty much a champion on the left, he he fought to keep it in the bill. Um, the corporate Democrats and the Republicans, they all voted against him to take it out, right? And then it, it it went from a 51 vote threshold needed to pass a 15-nominal wage to a 60 vote. So essentially, the Democrats filibustered their own bill just to not raise a 15-nominal wage. And then before they even voted on it, They claimed that, oh, the Senate Parliamentarian, this, you know, I'm pretty much more powerful than the Senate Majority Leader or the Senate Whip or President can somehow dictate to us when and how to have a federal minimum wage when prior history showed that Republicans, when the Senate Parliamentarian ruled against them, they literally said, piss off, you're fired. So, what's one, what's your opinion on that scenario? And what strategies do you believe are best moving forward to really pass not only a fifteen nominal wage, but well, uh, right now we have to increase it to twenty five. There's a lot of talks about, hey, fuck fifteen, now it's twenty five. For every time they fuck us over, we just add ten dollars, <laughs> which, <laughs> which is i free unfree for. But uh, what uh, strategies? That's which not strategy? the st-
1: that's not the strategy to take that <laughs> one right there.
0: Yeah. Well. Uh, what's your opinion overall
1: i would say to uh, this is so hard i i i feel like the the want for a 15 like dollar minimum wage is very like necessary as us as people because like what'd you say federal minimum wage is like 750 725 or something like that
0: 725 yeah 725
1: yeah so literally we're asking for a hundred percent raise plus 50 cents like but in 40 years that doesn't seem like a lot you know and i think that to be able to raise the minimum wage there needs to be put in a bill you know, uh, Starbucks does this one thing, where every so often, like every six months or so, I work at Starbucks, by the way, Starbucks barista, and um, every six months or so, you get like a ten percent raise, and um, it just like keeps adding up. It's very like small amounts of change that get like added onto your, like every few often. But if you're there for four or five years, like I have been, like. It ends up adding up a lot, and I feel like if there was something like that put into place like federally.
0: Oh, like, oh. by the way, uh, sorry I had to interrupt you, but um, you're good? in the bill itself, it gave a time frame. So I believe it was from, so if they passed the bill, mm-hmm. um, it wouldn't automatically go to 15 in one day. It would increase incrementally from now to, I believe, 2027. Oh, uh, I'm sorry, what? 2025.
1: Okay, and they yeah. still weren't
0: for it. They still weren't for it. That's the crazy part. And even like Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema, they argued, let's just give them $11. And I'm like, what? And they said, $11 for 2025. Like, but that's not even, that's, the, that's worse. Yeah, I just wanted I, to clear that up.
1: Okay, thank you. That, that would have been my, that, that sounds like a great idea. But um, I think if that's the case, I kind of want to switch it a little bit. I think that uh, they don't want to raise it because they're thinking of the jobs like McDonald's workers or people who clean bathrooms or people who work at Starbucks or people who work at Tim Hortons, people who have to wear a hat and an apron and everybody looks the same type of job. You know, um, those aren't real jobs to people in our communities. Those aren't real jobs to people who think that they did all this work to get themselves where they are to make the amount of money that they are. But they just have these internalized problems that like they feel like they have to feel that way because everybody in their life has told them they have to feel that way, you know? And if you if you don't want to look at everybody as a real person, then the minimum wage is never going to go up. If jobs are ranked on importance, fast food workers and medical people should be at the top like fast food workers could literally get their shot three months before anybody else but we still have the lowest wage out of any other jobs and no, notice
0: how essential worker isn't like the worker isn't important the work the essential worker is important for capital that's the that's the difference you know ding ding so, ding ding ding. so that's what that's actually what i was thinking in my head i'm sorry i'll let you go <laughs>
1: you're good you're good it's 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 i I really like how you just put that it's it's the capital of the importance of the worker like essential workers like medical workers are essential because they're saving our lives they're making sure that the people who are sick right now aren't staying sick but all the other essential workers like i don't know starbucks baristas who literally like grocery store employees grocery store employees who Have to restock toilet paper every twenty minutes. People are getting their (laughs) coffee thrown at them. People who are getting burgers thrown at them through the window. Like people are so rude to these people. Like I, I literally work in the drive-through window and have had food thrown at me, coffee like people are so rude. They, you put on a green apron or a McDonald's hat, and you literally lose all your humanity. And that needs to change for minimum wage to go up the the mentality of the workers in our communities.
0: Yeah, I think that's the problem. Like, there's so much like rank elitism.
1: Whether you're liberal or conservative, overall,
0: I mean, both of them are assholes at times. So let's just be real about that. But it's it's just elitism, you know. And I, every time I go to the drive-through, like I say please, I say thank you, and they appreciate it, you know. And I think it's just being a good human being and being uh, courteous, you know. And a lot of times when I go through a drive through yes, I understand if it's busy, like if you're a person and you go through a drive through and you see it's 10 cars long, don't be fucking surprised when like, oh, they messed up the order a little bit or it takes too long. Like you should know that going in. Like, yeah, if, if like for instance, if it's late at night around, I will say 9 p.m. 9 p.m. is pretty busy for dinner, whether, regardless of wherever you go. Same thing as 4 p.m. That's pretty, uh, pretty busy for like a late lunch, early dinner. So, if you Mm -hmm. go during those times, you should expect it to be busy. So, don't be a fucking dick. And you can curse on this show, by the way. We're curse friendly, but.
1: (laughs) All right, cool. Because not even about to get into a whole Starbucks worker rant, dude. But I literally have people walk up to my window. Like, they. So, we have to close our drive through or our cafe because it's so slow sometimes or so busy. And we have three people on the floor like in and our boss wants us to keep the people in the window for less than 55 seconds when there's three people on the floor and people go crazy there's so much honking like people will get out of their car and walk up to the windows and expect us to give them their mobile order so they don't have to wait in line and like yeah these jobs are so stressful and people think like the only jobs that are stressful are sitting at your desk and managing a whole business. Like I I understand like doctors, like that is so stressful. They deserve to be paid a lot because they're saving people's lives, but like people sitting at their desks, punching numbers on their calculator, probably checking Facebook for most of the day. Like they don't deserve $20 million in their bank account every Tuesday. Like that's not fair to all of us who are busting our asses, just trying to live, you know? Yeah, you guys are doing,
0: yeah, especially like you're in that field of like truly essential, like you're in the field field of production where like you're producing something and you're really using your labor and very stressful and I feel really bad for you and people in your field because while you have to make a latte for someone that's like 20 fucking words long in a busy day, <laughs> that gets uh, very stressful, you know, and uh, I just, I just don't like I had a job uh, a couple of summers ago where I worked in like a, a bowling alley and I was like a lane technician. Oh, that's and cool. And you wouldn't, you wouldn't be you would be surprised how big assholes they are. Like I would basically say, hey, this is what you need to fix. You know, I'd come in during busy hours and they would literally tell me, oh, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. You're doing this wrong. So it's like the rank criticisms and, and, and belittling. So I definitely understand how you feel about that. And so uh, I guess we can uh, kind of move into, I think another the topic about uh, really how do you believe consumers can have power in a, cap- capitalist, society, a capitalist society? Because we did talk about um, really how the workers are struggling in our system of capitalism itself by producing goods, um, being abused not only by company, but the consumers, but how can consumers and those who buy the products that you guys produce, how can it be better? in a society where they can not only stand in solidarity with you, but also spend money in ways that really fights back against the machine. And one, a good example I'll give you is really pre-pandemic, there was a whole lot of articles about how our generation, like Gen Z and really millennials too, how we're killing industries, you know, like, oh, blame the millennials and Gen Z, we're killing malls, we're killing, what'd you say? Good we're killing the auto industry. Like it's our fault for the reason why these industries are closing. And it's like, well, you're complaining about why these industries are closing. Isn't that not, isn't, isn't, aren't you like basically doing everything against what your system of capitalism uh, basically says? Because you're saying, well, if you have shit to sell, but no one wants to buy it, then you have to produce different shit. And so it's just endless complaining. And the reason why I bring this up is because Gen Z really started going to movie theaters more, you know, because, hey, you want to go with your friends, it's a nice, easy way to really chill, it's not something too complicated, and movie theaters across the country were now starting to pander more to young people, different types of of food, different types of snacks, way different types of movies for young people, and, like, for instance, imagine movie theaters in Canton. Um, all across the state of Michigan, Southwest, uh, southeast Michigan, they're really more popular now. Like young people have really saved their industry. And so, what way? Which of ways do you think consumers could really um, fight back against these machines of industry and to really gain more power in really our capitalistic society?
1: Yeah, like like you just said, like Gen Z is destroying these industries. I love it because these industries i'm gonna go off on a little tangent but these industries are industries that we see in every kitchen in every household like coca-cola glad tupperware like all these things um most of your plastics and most of your stuff probably all comes from the same place most of us probably get the same brands of cereal like all of these industries that we're seeing our industries that are supporting and paying for our government officials to get, to be our government officials and the money comes from us. So not only does our election affect where the money, like who's going to be our government official, but also like you, if you think about it, you can choose to see like what PACs are funding, which side and choose Yes, boycotting, like, places is what I'm trying to describe. Like, boycotting certain types of, um, like, for a really good example, I used to be in love with, like, the Annie's, like, little bunny fruit snacks and, like, macaroni and cheese. It's a little bit more healthy, I think, than Kraft. But um, I found out that, like, Annie's is a part of General Mills, and General Mills does a lot of funding for the Israeli um, apartheid? I don't know what it's called. Um, yeah, you're, you're right.
0: It's, it's people labeling
1: it as apartheid, so it's fine. Okay. And so um, this brand that I just like to eat, I realized, was funding something I really, really didn't like. So... I can do something about that. Like, I know that our government is still giving them $4 billion of our tax money and stuff. But like little differences, if I choose to make a little difference and I can share it with all you people and you can choose to go make a little difference, then I feel like that's going to be a lot of money out of that company's pocket. And they probably won't have enough to send somewhere. So they'll have to keep it to support themselves, keep themselves going.
0: Yeah, I believe that's a, a a great personal choice you can make. Like, it's your money. You spend it wherever the fuck you want to spend it. And I do want your opinion on this, because this kind of uh, correlates, is that what do you think of these different type of, like, corporations and businesses now, where they're kind of making themselves seem woke and, like, do these different types of memes and different types of, like, uh, ads on TV to pander to young people? Because a lot of times I see that and I'm like, that's not gonna make me buy yourself. It's gonna make me cringe and go on Twitter and and like ratio you because of how obviously pandering you are about your uh, products. So what's what's your opinion on that?
1: Mm, I think that it's the exact same thing as greenwashing, you know, like you're just trying to please a type of people or a group of people to get those people in and make more money, um, it, I I, d- I definitely don't think that things that are like originally like advertised to as adults should be then like oh damn advertised to kids. I think that like you should start and like finish out. I guess if that makes sense, you know I. I feel like if you start with a product and you're like, oh, like these people will love this, these people will love this, and then like completely market it to a whole different age group, like one, like take Coke, for example, or like any like really sugary drink, like yes, like adults can make the decision to drink that stuff themselves and like all that kind of stuff. And like, yeah, kids can make the decision to drink it too, but when they see it on TV and like you're a child and- all your life is, is what's right in front of your eyes. And you're seeing all these bright, colorful things and Coca-Cola. And six years later, you're obese. Like, that's just what our, like, that was a huge, huge jump. But like, that's (laughs) what...
0: (laughs) Just to clarify, I guess what you're saying is like, these different types of corporations, what they do is that when they sell a product, like for instance, like Coca-Cola, which is high high and high fructose corn syrup, high in all these different types of chemicals, which are used to really trick the consumer's brain into thinking they want it more. So it kind of creates a more of a, um, what's that word I'm looking for? Um, makes you want it more, for instance. And so like if you're a young kid, it's very hard for you to really have, um, what's the word I'm looking for?
1: Self-control.
0: Um, self-control. So like when you're a little kid and you see something and you want it, you're going to want it all the time. And so that corporation makes different types of money. So what Chad was getting in there, which was a huge jump, so that's why I'm clarifying it. Cause like, so the point of what he was trying to make is that it really makes it hard for really that young, young kid because these different types of corporations are putting these type of chemicals, which they know are very harmful to young people and to people in general. Yet those same chemicals are also, can trick chemicals in their brains to wanting their products more, which helps them make more money. You know, that's why Coca-Cola has changed their formula over the years, and really the FDA has really uh, created policies in which um, can be used to, like for instance, aspartame was a sweetener which caused cancer. Um, Coca-Cola used to put actual cocaine in their, <laughs> in their drink a while back. Um, at one point, um, they switch they switch back and forth between like high fructose corn syrup or actual regular sugar. And overall, I that's kind of what Chad was getting at is that these types of effects can have pretty big effects long term um over time. Is that kind of what you're getting at?
1: Yeah, yes, definitely. I my brain just was like everything <laughs> you just described from like my point and just went
0: boop. So
1: yeah. I canceled uh, Chad. <laughs> <laughs> No, you you hit it spot on too. There's a lot of problems that like can string off of this one problem. So I was trying to like choose which one to talk about. And then I just jumped in front of all of them.
0: Yeah, your brain was like, oh, full send. I was like, oh.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that was kind of what was
0: surprising. But I think, yeah, I mean, the Food and Drug Administration, um, especially when it comes to different types of uh, foods and stuff that Addictive, that's the word I was missing, addictive. I could have said that like five minutes ago. But yeah, I, I do like this uh, conversation we're having right now, especially with uh, when it comes to different types of uh, products. But um, I do want to transition to a topic that we actually were supposed to first talk about. <laughs> but we kind of evolved went on our own special tangents, and I think that was great. But you did want to talk about what's going on right now in Israel slash Palestine, in which the Israeli government is really essentially slaughtering uh, the Palestinian people, as well as really destroying their infrastructure, their homes, and really their businesses. And also the United States and Great Britain's effect on giving them money to supply this type of uh, really apartheid and genocidal uh, events that are happening right now. So what is your first initial reactions when you saw these events unfold? Um,
1: honestly, I haven't really been up with it like uh before like when it first started going on i wasn't really up with it and then i just saw my family posting like pray for israel pray for israel like posts and then i saw another post and i was like wait israel Israel's is calling it a religious war calling it calling it a fight for the homeland but y'all got there 73 years ago like what so um I was like thinking about that and it just made me think like uh I guess these are the reasons why I feel like it's important to boycott companies and choose where you spend your money a little bit more wisely than just you're
0: for um you're for the bds movement right which um yes boycott divest and sanction that's kind of what you're getting at
1: yes yes definitely i was actually gonna get into that i think that um the bds movement is really powerful like boycotting companies um the d stands for divest so it's like the
0: government and um it's just stop supplying giving subsidies to these companies that do um so that do basically uh, do this types of stuff for the government and then sanctioning is like the government actually using sanctions on certain countries saying Mm -hmm. that if you want our supplies or money from us you can't do that unless you stop doing these genocidal effects that's Mm -hmm. when america uses sanctions they don't always work in the ways that actually help the people. And many times, the sanctions actually makes things worse. But in some very small cases, um, the sanctions, especially what happened in some part of Africa when they were doing apartheid, actually worked in that effort. So that's kind of what it means. So boycotting it's like, you as the average American citizen, you stop buying money and giving energy to these companies who do support a state or really supporting policy, a position that abuses any type of people, on the divestment is um, basically advocating that companies um, really divest money and advocating for the government to divest money away from corpor- corporations or groups that do advocate for oppression of certain people. And the sanctions I just mentioned, is like, okay, forcing um, your government to provide sanctions against countries that do support these type of events. So that's kind of like a brief synopsis of what we're talking about.
1: Yeah. Um, I have looked up some like companies that are like directly funding like the Israeli movement right now. Um, give me one second.
0: Oh <clears throat> sure, Yeah, for our radio audience, I'm just uh, rambling, so
1: there's not like dead silence. Yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> the next so, fifteen seconds. Um, there are. Uh, quite a few brands actually that are sending money. So, um, Puma. All oh, you guys. Oh, the wearing... shoe company. Yeah, the shoe company, the sports company, Puma. Um, this one's gonna be kind of surprising, but uh, Sabra hummus.
0: Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the hummus that everybody likes. Oh, I think my mom yeah. eats that. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Sabra hummus. Airbnb. Wow. This one's this one's gonna surprise the shit out of you, especially for what was going on for the BLM movement. Ben and Jerry's, you gotta boycott Ben and Jerry's right now.
0: No, that's that's the people's ice
1: cream. No, that's the people's ice cream. I know, man. <laughs> oh I know. my god,
0: Ben and Jerry's was a Bernie stand. They were for BLM and stuff, and they're supporting this shit. Holy yep. fuck.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, the Coca Cola company. Oh i'm not surprised um h p
0: oh he and packard that uh computer company yep okay uh motorola Oh, the flip phone company yep yep
1: uh volvo the car i'm not real that car company yet. mm mm-hmm. pampers the diapers not buying diapers <laughs> <laughs> hey, go get y'all some green diapers oh right. uh, <laughs> um nestle oh yeah that's the people's sake milk Mm -hmm. uh we gotta stop and then i gotta stop that and then uh i don't know this one but it's called ahava Mm, i don't know a h a v a and then there's one called the strauss group i'm pretty sure it's like uh i looked it up earlier but uh the strauss group is
0: you know, what you've said so far about these different companies, I'm just going to ramble until you find it, but I think are very surprising. The biggest surprising one for me has been in Jerry's, you know, like that's what I thought was the people's ice cream for BLM. They were pretty much Bernie fans. They they supported them in the primaries. Um, Coca-Cola, I'm not surprised, you know, they've done some questionable shit, not only um, domestically, but abroad. Um, Nestle, the people's Chalky Milk, like, I remember, like, drinking tons of Nestle, like, powdered chocolate milk, putting it in the microwave. Oh, my God. That
1: was was my crack
0: as a kid. Oh, definitely.
1: But this one's also... uh, Yeah, so the Strauss Group is um, actually Israel's biggest food manufacturer. Mm. But um, General Mills, so, like, all your favorite cereals. um, Lucky Charms. Like, uh, so... There's actually a bunch of stuff because General Mills isn't just um cereal and stuff like that. It's yogurt. So like Annie's, Librate, High Mountain, Yoplay, Cascadian Farms, Green Giant, Moyer Glen, Progresso, oh, Para. Mm-hmm. Para Pampara and Yoki. Um, Chex Mix, Fiber One, Food Should Taste Good, Epic. Bugles, the little witch finger. Oh. Mm-hmm. Um fruit by the foot. No more fruit snacks, y'all. Um, no Please tell me gushers aren't on the are gushers in there. Uh I don't know, man. Are they the same brand as Fruit by the Foot? Um, I think they are I think they are, aren't they? Probably then. Yeah. Um, no more no. gushers.
0: Uh, can't. Uh, it's gonna be
1: rough. Yeah, it's gonna be rough,
0: man. I know. No cinnamon toast crunch. No Lucky Charms. Uh, what about Cocoa Puffs? Are there General Mills too?
1: I think Cocoa Puffs are okay. I think they're. Uh, what's the other one? Oh, no Pillsbury toaster strudels anymore. Uh, what about Pop Tarts? I don't know. I'm just. I'm just. I'm just, I'm just guessing stuff. now. I just am guessing. My <laughs> childhood I'm <breakfast>. just guessing. <laughs>
0: like, Yeah, I'm just uh, guessing now. But what do you think? about you know that's uh, that's not a good transition but <laughs> i'm supposed to be the pro i'm trying to like transition from like us uh, rambling about like what food not to buy to like actually diving deeper into this but no, least, you, man. <laughs> but this is this is fun i'm enjoying this but um like what do you there's this video <clears throat> on twitter about this young palestinian girl who really watched the destruction of really the private property and really the deaths of many of her own Palestinian people. And like, she says, and she's 10 years old, and she says, and I'm just a kid, you know, how can I help my own people? Like, I'm trying the best I can. And she's one example. I mean, there's tons of film on Twitter of like, there's one man who lost his entire family, his wife and his four kids, all because of that bombing. And so I'm not sure what we can do. If I, I know BDS. This um, is something that we should uh, try first. I'm not really sure um, which strategy or how we can convince our congressional leaders to actually advocate for it. But I do know the best we can do is uh, really donate to really the Palestinian people as a, as a means. Exactly. But the crazy part in which I mentioned that is because if you use uh, Venmo, like I saw on Twitter tw- as well, is that when people Wanted to donate to Palestinian causes on Venmo. Um, Venmo refused to let the transactions go through. Like, they get this message, like, oh, there's a banking error. And then when they want to try to send it to their phone, it wouldn't go through either. So, like, you'd be surprised at these, how these different corporations are really pretty much pro Israel when it comes to it, yeah, pro Israeli government when it comes down to it.
1: Pro colonization. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that's true. So what do you what do you think? Um, so what, what's your feeling when you really because you mentioned that you heard about really what's going on through your folks, of course, because they're pro-Israel. But what were your thoughts um, after you saw or really heard a lot about the destruction that's happening to Palestinian people? Like, were
1: you sad? Were you angry? And yeah. I I was really upset. Um, a lot of my friends uh, growing up were actually from, like, that area. One of my roommates is literally, like, from Jordan. And um, it's really sad to see this because, like, these groups of people have, like, the Palestine, Palestinians have been there since literally forever you know and like that is like their home and there's these people who are coming through and trying to racially and ethnically cleanse the place so that they all have the same views as them and they're making it about oh this is my motherland this is where my god like where my religion started but like the jewish people like they have been travelers they have been Basically, like the migrants, not like not even immigrants, like the migrants, like people who always are moving, you know, like that is what like it actually was. And like once people like that's why they were all throughout Europe and all throughout the Palestinians and like all parts of Middle East, like there was already Jewish people there when the hordes of them started coming from uh, everything happening in World War Two. Like they're just a traveling people and it's about the colonization and sharing the word, because even if you think about Christianity and everything about that, there was literally crusades, people using like the name of their God to hurt and hold people down unless they believed in what they said. So like this fight for land through God is selfish it's harming to the people who believe in gods it's harming to the people who believe in the same yet opposite gods because literally palestinians have people who believe in the jewish religion palestinians there are arabs and christians like it is the homeland for all three of those religions not just yours so like it makes me really really upset
0: yeah and just to add to that and you really cleaned it up at the end by the way good job on that one and um, I think what really is surprising too, is that there's a whole lot of uh, Jewish people too who are in Israel slash Palestine, the way you look at it. And they're saying, like I have, even my own grandparents who suffered during really, uh, World War II and the Holocaust, they don't believe what's going on is right in which the Israeli government is treating the Palestinian people. And so when you have individuals like that who are really uh, speaking up, about the violence and what's going on, I think it really shows that the media narrative and in terms of, you know, the Israeli media narrative and really a lot of times the United States media and how it portrays this instance is a complete disconnect from the actual Jewish people um, in general. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it kind of relates into the United States as well. How it, the United States says, oh, well, black people, they want this, the media always, like we want a certain way but if you ask us in person a lot of times it's the complete opposite and it's like the media itself kind of only plays a narrative which matters the state or whatever you know country is funding a corporation that's funding it yeah um
1: i'm sorry i just got a little distracted for a second (laughs) oh that's fine Uh, one thing that like i Wanted to say that you made me think of was that uh. Like. Mm, I forgot. Just uh, say something else. It'll, it'll, probably, it'll, it'll probably come back. Yeah, yeah but I'm just uh, exactly. I'm just
0: shooting from the hip right now. Um, overall,
1: I'm not really sure what we can do. Oh yes, that is what I was gonna say. Okay. Talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it. Because the more this gets pushed under the carpet, the bigger of a problem it's going to be. The more you can make people realize that this isn't a war over religion and is a war over actual people's lives, then it's easier to have the conversation with people. And it's easier to make people actually want to see the difference. The same reason that America pulled out of the Vietnam War. We didn't win that shit. We pulled out. Because we wanted to see a difference as the people. So if you want to see our government stop funding these people, talk about it. Talk about it. Talk about it.
0: Yeah, talk about it to your liberal family members, your conservative family members. Um, Be hardline with them. Make sure you stand up for really the Palestinian people and really to fight back against this narrative. Because they're going to throw all types of, excuse me. Oh, that was bad. Okay, sorry. They're going to throw all these types of like narratives, and I'm not editing that out, by the way. <laughs> but they're going to throw all these types of uh, narratives at you, slander attacks, <clears throat> call you a crazy commie, lefty, far left crazy or whatever, but if you truly believe in this particular issue, you should be able to really defend it and really talk it as much as you want. And I think you brought up a great point about talking it out because this even transcends other policy beliefs I had with my own family and with even my own friends. Like I have some friends who are MAGA, well, they haven't talked to me much since Trump lost, but <laughs> but you know, in general, I believe it's <clears throat> important to really be hardline and to address these different types of issues with people who may disagree with your politics, because often enough, they may not understand fully at all why you believe in it, but by the force of your argument, and by you standing up for what you believe in, they'll respect it. And then later on, they may come back and find out what you said is true. So, yeah. like, oh, go ahead. Uh,
1: I also wanted to say that make sure when you are talking about this stuff, especially, like, with religious people, you, um, it's going to be really hard for, like, them to not see this as a religious problem. Because to them, like, that is the city that has been fighting that they've been fighting for forever, you know? So to them, it's a way bigger problem than that. So you have to break it down to the actual humaniz like break it down so that it's easier to understand. I, I definitely stand with hardlining, like stand by your point no matter what, but also don't make the people you're trying to teach more angry or else they're never, ever, ever, Going to change.
0: Yeah. So, and what you said is actually true. So, when you actually give like your talking points, your explanations, do it in a way that's like, I would say collective, because like if it's just two guys yelling and screaming at each other, other. it's not going to work. But at the same time, make your argument seem like it's not like you're offending them. You know, just say, hey, this is a policy position I believe in. I understand your concerns, but um, this is how you may feel the point is portrayed versus what it actually is. you know. So I've had a lot of conversations about different policies, whether it's conservatives or liberals, really about um, minimum wage, about uh, labor, and about unions as well. And I believe if you use those same tactics with this one, it can help. And I do wanna to talk too about the United United Nations. You know, the UN itself takes whole lot of money from the United States and so far they haven't condemned at all the actions in which the Israeli government is doing towards the Palestinian people and what is what are your thoughts on like uh the UN in general because a lot of times it seems like they are in the pocket of the United States which the United States right now and has been since World War II is like the largest uh, superpower so what are your what are your thoughts on the UN and how could and in your eyes, what could the UN do to really defend the Palestinians?
1: Stop believing in the practice of colonization because it's just colonizing companies or colonizing countries supporting other colonizing countries. This isn't our homeland. The the people in the British or England Those were the Anglo-Saxons' home until the Britannian people came up there and colonized all of it. But we don't like to talk about that because it happened so long ago. But it's funny when people try and argue that it's a religious problem and it's been happening for so, besides the point. But um, it's, it's people who were founded off of the same thing, supporting people doing the same thing that we did we have to break that pattern like our our the reason we have america the way it is is because people came over here and slaughtered a bunch of native americans they put them all towards like oklahoma down the trail of tears and ma- cleared out all this land for us to destroy like
0: it, yeah so it's you're... colonizer
1: sporting colonizers
0: Yeah, that's that basically sounds about right. I mean, you shouldn't be surprised that the United States is starting with the Israeli government. And what are your thoughts on like the president right now, and he gave, I believe, uh, the Israeli government more money after that. And Biden throughout his entire career has always been the biggest defender of corporations and against the working class people, like staunch. Like he says, I'll be the guy to do it. But when it comes to actually defending Palestinian people, and when we say, "Hey, stop giving the money," he goes, "Well, I'll ask them politely to cease fire to stop." You, know, you see the difference, right? So, like, what's what's your opinion on like uh, the president right now? And also, Rashida Tlaib, she is a um, she represents Michigan's thirteenth congressional district. She is a DSA member and she's a member of the uh, Congressional Progressive Caucus. She's also a member of the Squad. Um, she was pretty viral yesterday because when Biden was visiting Michigan to look at um, one of those uh, automotive trucks made by the big three, um, before Biden got there,
1: um, Rashida Was that Talib- in Dearborn yesterday? Yeah, Dearborn. Dude, I was going to go to that. I didn't know oh. the president was actually there. That's so cool.
0: Yeah, he was, he was uh, test driving one of the uh, new trucks. And so the, the reason why I made that point is because um, Rashida Tlaib before Biden even uh, got there, she met him at the tarmac and they had a pretty contentious conversation. Like she basically uh, told him, hey, look, I'm Palestinian, you know, the treatment of the Israeli government what it's doing towards my people, cause she has family in uh, Palestine, you know? And so she was defending her people and I don't think Biden liked that. And I think that's what she did is even bigger and better than what the squad did because the squad tweeted about it. She actually got in her face. So, what are your thoughts on this situation? Not only with Biden providing more funds for the Israeli government, and what are your thoughts on really Rashid Tawie standing up to Biden as well?
1: Period. Not joking. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I think that um, this sucks. That's all. <laughs> like. Why are we giving them more money? Why is there propaganda being spread like I literally saw this clip art painting like it was a clip art painting of like someone like standing in front of jesus and like like an like a soldier with like a cute pistol and like in an, a cute army outfit and like they like were painted in like so like bright colors and like all this kind of stuff and then there was someone standing in front of not like guarding or like holding or anything, but like standing in front of their Allah or their God or Mohammed, even though you're not supposed to depict Mohammed. Um, so I don't think that's what it was, but, um, and they have like the nasty, like, I wouldn't say nasty, but like they have like very purposely, looking scarier clothes on they're painted in darker colors and the American soldier or Israeli soldier that like is supposed to be so good is holding just like one pistol up whereas the other one has guns surrounded them surrounding them by their feet and like um like a rocket launcher on his back and like two guns pointed at the same person sorry if that was loud but um (laughs) you're fine uh It's just so, like, that is the type of propaganda that is ruining people's lives, that is demonizing people that aren't demons, because, like, I saw this video yesterday where it was literally this little kid who could not close his eyes because of all the stuff going on between Israel and Palestine. He was literally an infant, like, maybe one or two years old, and his eyes were stuck like this. Stuck. Wow. Like even, even when he blinked, it would go, like, halfway down.
0: Yeah.
1: Stuck. He was so traumatized. He couldn't do anything, and you're demonizing those people. Like, I know that war has always had, like, bad outcomes, especially for, like, civilians and stuff. But, like, what happened to taking stuff off our homelands? Like, you know? Like, taking stuff... Let's do it in the water.
0: Right, like, and if you look at... I think you make a good, a, good, a good point about... The media propaganda, especially towards um, the people of Palestine, the Palestinian people versus the actual, well, the Palestinian soldiers versus the Israeli soldiers, because you even see that throughout really American history, you know, versus white people versus black people, um, different other types of minority groups against another. And it's really in a way to demonize one group to support the oppression of that demonized group, right? And I think that is also uh, what is wrong about the situation. I had a second point, but I've lost it as soon as I started talking.
1: (laughs) That's okay. I totally jumped off your original Biden question. I don't think he should be spending more money. And I think that, uh... what was her name again? I'm so sorry.
0: Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib.
1: Yes, I am not super, involved with like actual like politicians I know I need to be way more than I am but yes no, I thanks, think, that I think did... my
0: viewers are going to say they're proud of you for not engaging in electoral politics so they'll give you a, a good clap for
1: that <laughs> thank you um <laughs> I think that she did a really good job at standing up to him like face to face I hope she got it like on her twitter in like in video form so oh, it's and... in video it's in it's in 4k bro good it's good <laughs> I want to see that video
0: yeah, it's all, it's all throughout twitter if you look up uh, Rashida Tlaib it shows like pictures images you can't really understand what they're saying but it does show like a transcript of what she actually uh, said so that's also uh, very important
1: mm-hmm. that's so cool i literally could have been there yesterday i i got dizzy
0: no that's fine um so i'm fresh out of uh, really what to talk about for the next 15 minutes but um anything else on your mind
1: Hmm. I just wanted to apologize to the viewers that if uh, my train of thought is ever <laughs> bouncing back and forth, RJ did a really good job of uh, intercepting whenever I started to go crazy. Um, I have really bad ADHD, so. I'm pretty sure they love you anyway, Chad. It's, Thank you. Thank you. Yeah,
0: you're, you're, you're great. I do. I do love you. love you as a friend, best friend. So I do appreciate you. I was uh, really glad to have you on. I think one final thing we didn't really talk about as much was uh really sustainable sourcing so do you want to Mm -hmm. give like a a quick little intro to what you meant by that
1: yeah 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 so um that was kind my glasses are so foggy that was kind of um a little bit into like the green greenwashing. like yeah that if you want a sustainable group like, or to follow a sustainable group, I think that it's important to make sure that the way that they're sourcing their materials is also sustainable. I think that um, it's really hard and I can definitely be the first to admit that I'm not doing that perfectly. I am trying to like stand behind my views and my position as best as possible, but we are human and we live in a capitalistic society where they they try to make that as hard for you as possible because all they care about is their money. So like we have been fighting for things to be sustainably sourced for probably 50, 60 years, and it still hasn't happened. And that's why I say that if, I wouldn't be so nihilistic if we haven't tried for, my grandparents haven't tried, you know? So sustainable sourcing should be making sure that the people making your clothes Or, yeah, yeah, let me start with that. The people making your clothes should be treated well. They shouldn't be in sweat factories that are, like, not getting compensated for the actual work that they're doing and, like, the stuff they're putting themselves through. Um, Fast fashion is really bad. A lot of them, once it goes off the shelves, just get burned or thrown into garbages. Um, It's really important to do things that you – um, like for shopping for clothes, like shop from your local Salvation Army like as much as possible. That's where I get a lot of my clothes from is Salvation Army. Um, they have really cool stuff. And like you're making sure that it's not going somewhere where like you're not giving money to people who are just making the same thing. With a different like three words every time you're making sure that like you're using something that's already made so there doesn't have to be anything else made and it's hard to look at that stuff as change making when you're only one person but there are people out there doing the same thing that are also trying to make the change and you have to find those like groups of people put yourself in that ecosphere so you don't feel like you're not making a change Because burnout, burnout is the biggest, biggest, biggest problem for any person on the left, any person trying to make change anywhere. It just feels like they can't do it. They can't do it. They can't do it. But you just have to surround yourself with people who feel the same way and love the same things. Because then you'll feel like you're impacting these things and making the change.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. You know, there's times where I'm like, I am tired, I am burnt out, you know, situations happening. You know, it's you know, we're young on the left, so it's like we want everything to be kind of immediate. We expect it to be like quicker and and time is at times we at times situations do kind of call for things to be quicker than we've probably seen, but we do understand that um really the sense of leftism where we're going right now, it's a long process. We just wish that we can get some form of victory right now in general that will really inspire us and really the entire left movement for our generation to know that really what we're doing is not only getting a victory, but it's really making a change. And I think what you said too about the Salvation Army as well, um, getting close from there and really getting close. I think too, like younger people in Gen Z are really starting to go back to getting uh, clothes from like thrift stores as well as a means of uh, spending their cash and really getting some nice stuff. So I think that's actually uh, what's pretty cool as well.
1: I promise I'll donate my clothes so you guys can possibly get cool fits like me, possibly. Yeah, we definitely need uh, your fashion (laughs) sense, Chad. I do like that uh, sweater you're wearing. It's pretty nice. Thank you. Thank you. The pants are really cool too. One second. Oh, look at that. I like that. I like the flat. It's
0: pretty cool. Pretty uh, pretty neat. Thank you. So any last plugs you want to give, uh, some stuff that um, is exciting for you, you want to mention, um, things you're involved in, or any final thoughts?
1: Um, yeah. Um, I kind of am going to ask your followers to do the same thing that you did for Twitter. Uh, one, follow me on Twitter at c F-L-E-T-C-H-J-R-2, will you please shout me out so your leftist friends will follow me because I'm trying to be a lot more in it than I am, so. Okay, what's your uh,
0: Twitter name again? I'll put it next to your name.
1: Yeah, 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 cool. It's at C. Fletch
0: Jr. At C. Fletch Jr. Okay, so it's now up there. I'll put it in your name. Yep, so you should say next to your name is it, right?
1: yes perfect
0: okay perfect yeah let's get you some followers man you're a, you're a good guy <laughs> you're doing some good work and I think I, I try to shout you and uh a few others like Ian and Julia out more and so i definitely looking forward to it. I'm gonna have Ian on soon um oh yeah,
1: dude he, that would be a fun show yeah I'm looking I kind of wanted him to come on to this one for the uh like the whole thing going on in Israel because he knows so much about it
0: yeah I'm gonna I'm probably gonna have both of you guys come on at once one day I'll, I'll try to get Ian alone and have both of you on there that would be pretty great so that'd
1: be awesome
0: yeah let's get you involved more in a left twitter um it's it's fun and it's fun um you know at times it could be stressful because your mentions are blowing up all the time like me but um yeah i do want to appreciate you for coming on today to have this discussion here's definitely someone that's really my one of my most influential leftists as well and i do enjoy our conversations every time we talk
1: yeah dude thank you so much for having me here you've also influenced me immensely, more than you probably know, so thank you.
0: (laughs) Thank you, I appreciate that. And so I do wanna thank our audience, especially our VOP USA audience for watching us today on Revolutionary Jargon. I do wanna thank our Fred Hampton leftist viewers for watching my show today on Revolutionary Jargon and for enjoying this conversation, talking about climate change, the Green New Deal, talking about um, essential workers, how they're being abused, not only by the corporations, but by even some elitist consumers. And really, this conversation as well about what's going on in Israel and Palestine. So I do want to thank you guys for watching. This is Revolutionary Jargon. Check us out, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And we are signing up.